Welcome to another episode of The Cross-Curricular Dance Teacher with me, Maria Craig Gibson. This episode is focused on poetry and chill. And if you don't know who they are, well, we just need to get into this episode so you can find out. Enjoy. What do yeah, the students call you? Mr. G. Mr. G. Or Mr. Gregory, but most of them call me Mr. G. I love that. That's excellent. Because mm-hmm. so I go by MKG. So I think sometimes like my peers that worked with me at Douglas, they'll be at Putnam City and they'll say, yeah, Miss Cry. And the students are like, who is that? Because <laughs> specifically at Putnam City High School, the students learned me or met me as MKG. So it's always good to okay. ask like, what do the students call you? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They call me Mr. G for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, cool. So tell us everything you want us to know about you. Huh. Everything. Let me see. Um, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma City. I went to Two Lakes Elementary from first grade to fifth grade, Cooper from sixth to eighth, and PCO High School my freshman and sophomore year. I graduated from Capitol Hill. I transferred to Capitol Hill my junior senior year. Uh, I actually won a state championship at PCO in basketball uh, my sophomore year. And then I transferred to Capitol Hill my junior senior year. Um, I went to college, just an HBCU in Mississippi called Russ College. I went out there for a year and a half, and then I came back. And then from there, I went to UCO. I was actually majoring in criminal justice. Um, still, I think it's 16 or 18 credits away from getting my BA in criminal justice. And I was preparing for my LSAT to go to law school. And I dropped out of uh, UCO to move to LA. Uh, my family at that time was really upset. Uh, really, my dad was like, well, you know, why are you doing that? You know, you're just close from graduating. Um, I used to want to work for the FBI and be a lawyer. Um, and I love music. I love poetry. So I dropped everything and moved to L.A. and enrolled in L.A. film school out there. I was out there almost four years. Um, I learned a lot out there. Um, the things I did, I made T-shirts. I have a, I used to have a T-shirt business. Um, from there, I got really successful, made some good money out there in L.A. And at that time, I was still looking on social media. And I was looking at Oklahoma, and it was like a blank canvas it was just open for ideas. And I never thought I would want to move back because I was always that type, like, I don't want to be in Oklahoma no more. Um, and even now, you know, I've done so much here in the last few years. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to live here forever, you know, but I do like being here just for the work I do in the community and the schools and stuff like that. So that keeps me here. Um, but I moved back in 2017, the end of 2017. And that's when I created Poetry and Chill. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of like who I am outside of Poetry and Chill. You know, I'm an artist, I'm a poet, I'm a uh, entrepreneur, business owner, and just a visionary. So for sure. I think when I, I didn't realize Poetry and Chill started in 2017. Because the I was, adult side did, but we didn't really work in the school systems until 2019. Oh, okay. So like, the adult side was got really, really popular. 
and we didn't come into the school system until like March of 2000, February 2019. And then we started that fall again and we was kind of getting our foot in the door. And then as soon as we like got our foot in the door, COVID happened. Right. And then, and we was like lucky because some of the schools we were working with, we was doing like virtual. So we was like the only virtual nonprofit uh, or third party organization. So that really like COVID, I know it hurt a lot of people, but that really helped our organization get out there for sure. Absolutely. And I think, people who know how to connect to one another whether it's online or not um i think that that's something that kind of differentiated different either people or institutions like people who were able to switch over to online networking or connect yes could really for sure yeah Yeah, I, i definitely see a difference there so I feel like I've always seen you around though. I feel like I've always saw you around Douglas. I always saw you like, or maybe I always saw students magnetized to you. Maybe the students were coming to, is it weird for me to say the students were coming to ICE Event Center? Is that? Oh, no, we were never, we were never at ICE, no. You were, okay, yeah, I don't know was, what I'm using this for then. Well, one of our teachers, he's the host at ICE, uh, Mr. Crawford, Anthony Crawford. Oh. So we would sometimes invite the students to go up there and do open mic nights. But like poetry and chill, we never worked up there. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of our students like would wear our shirts, um, the poetry and chill t-shirts. Um, at that time, Douglas was our first school we ever worked at inside so that was kind of like the stepping ground and then it just blew up from there working at douglas absolutely that's fascinating because in my mind you were just always around yeah i mean and some people think i was like actually a, a, an employer at douglas because we was up there so much um and we're actually starting back at douglas next month so i'm very excited about that that's awesome i love that so yes, then I guess sure. clearly, please set me straight. How did Poetry and Chill come to existence? Because in my mind's eye, it's all student-centered, but you were saying it was adult-focused first. Yes. Um, we started on the east side of Oklahoma City uh, by Bobo Chicken on Hood Avenue. We was just doing like open mic nights um, for adults. We had like live music. We had a full band. We had jazz, hip-hop, poetry, R&B, all in one show. Uh, the popularity grew really fast. I think by our our second event, our first event, we had like close to 100 people. And then the second one, it was over 100. Then the third one, we had close to like 400 people come to our, our local show. Um, that popularity went to University of Oklahoma, OU. The Deltas reached out to us and asked us to do an event. And when we did an event there, it was like 100 plus college students. And then that sparked the idea in my brain to start doing like college shows. So since then we've been to, since 2019, we've been to over 70 universities across the country. We travel, I mean, this semester alone, we're going to about six. It's probably the lowest number we've had. It kind of slowed down around COVID. And then we started raising our prices a little bit. Uh, The people we were working with before COVID, they're all graduated now. So we have a different classes in there and stuff like that. But uh, we take our band, we take our live, uh, our experience here that we bring to the city. And then we go to the universities, work with the SGAs, the Greeks, the BSUs, BSAs. And we give them an open mic experience. Uh, We host the event. We perform as well. 
that popularity trickled down to where a lot of high school students just started showing up to our local events. So we was like, and they'll be, they'll get on a mic and they'd be like, well, I'm only 16. I'm only 15. I'm only 17. I'm like, you know, and uh, when I was in LA, a lot of the events I went to, they didn't like ID people. You know, they were ID people. They were trying to drink and stuff like that, but they wouldn't ID them to get in. So I didn't do that at my events. I didn't charge. I've never charged for open mic events. Um, and then when I noticed the high school students coming, I met, he was Lieutenant Cuban at the time. He's Wayland Cuban. Now he retired. Yes. Um, I went to a graduation with him and one of my former students and I had my hair out in a fro and I was trying to be discreet, but I'm sitting there with a big old fro. And, uh, he was like, he came up to me and was like, you know, who are you? You know, I see you here supporting. And I told him who I am, what I did. And he basically asked me, did I, do I, was I interested in teaching workshops? And at that time I was kind of like, no, nah, I don't really see myself working with kids. And he's like, well, the kids are drawn to you. And, um, I worked with Anthony Crawford, and I brought him on to help me because I was like, I don't even work with kids. All I do is perform shows and stuff like that. I don't even see myself teaching. And we started doing workshops at the Northeast Community Center. About 15 to 20 kids coming willingly for like a whole semester. And then Douglas High School reached out to us because one of their students was talking about it. And uh, Dr. Quentin Hughes, he was over there and he reached out to us and was like, hey, you know, I want to see if you can do this in our school. And then I was like, well, we can try. So I asked Anthony. He was like, yes. We went over there to Douglas High School. And at that time, um, they had like a, a small budget for us. And then they no longer had the budget. And so we basically started doing it for free. And But we were just still showing the same type of love, same type of uh, energy. And I, I know that sparked the attention of the administrators, the district. And from there... Uh, I met Tracy Hunt. She now works in Middale District, where she was working in OKCPS. Um, she reached out to me like right when COVID started and was like, hey, you know, I heard about your organization. I want to learn more about it. And at that time, we were just bringing kids in, you know, feeding them, asking them. We was asking real life questions. We wasn't really focusing on the literacy side, even though Anthony's an English teacher. He probably was. But me, I was like, I want to get these kids to participate in workshops but we was focused, and we changed it to focus on like the literacy side. Uh, I sat down and talked to English teachers, and the administration was like, you know, what do we need to do to get our program into the schools? Like we were like only after school at times, and they said, you know, you need to create a curriculum that fits the ELA academic standards: reading, writing, listening. So I sat down with Mr. Crawford, came up with a curriculum, and then I created a teacher's manual. Um, and that's when we started doing PD classes. So when you've seen us at PCO, I've done those before. Now, that was probably the biggest PD class I've done. Like, you know, I've probably done class five with 30 teachers, not 100, you know. Um, so that just sparked this idea. And we went from like around COVID, we were probably working with like 300 students. Uh, currently, last year, around this time, we worked with about 5,000. Now we work with about 11,000 students. So it's just gotten a lot bigger. Um, and now like, you know, we're working on working with the districts, getting contracts. Cause now I want to work with PC North, PC West, uh, the middle schools, uh, trying to get, you know, things negotiated so I can bring the right teachers on. So we're training teachers. Um, and I was just doing music. So I didn't even teach classes the first 
two years. I was just the business guy, the one that owned the organization. And then when it got, the man got hired, my teachers got, some of my teachers got sick. I had to step in. And honestly, I always tell my students this. I was like, you know, I didn't even see myself working with kids. I was like, no way, y'all, y'all mean, y'all rude. I'm not about to be sitting in the class talking to y'all. Um, and I was more nervous to teach a class with, you know, 15 middle school, high school students than I was to perform in front of thousands of people. You know, I've done that multiple times, but teaching a class was very like, oh my gosh. So um, that trickled down and then we started doing PD classes. Uh, we're actually doing a PD class with Pumas City District on March 2nd. Um, with the adults, I mean, with the parents and uh, students as well. Uh, so it just keeps getting bigger and just keeps, you know, ideas keep coming. I mean, anything they throw my way, I can do. Miss Taylor was actually my English teacher back in the day. You know, I know you heard the story. We used to bump yeah. heads a lot. I mean, this is crazy how, like, the tables turn. And, you know, she wrote me on Facebook, like, uh, the beginning, probably like August. And I was like, why is Miss Taylor writing me? You know? So, and then I saw that she was the principal now. And I called my friend because he was he was his teacher too. And I was like, hey, guess who wrote me? And uh, and I haven't been in PCO since, ooh, 06, 07. So to come back in PCO and it still looks, a lot of it looks the same. And I went down the hallway with all the pictures of us on the walls and stuff like that. It was it was a great memory. But um. Right now, I mean, Poetry and Chill, um, we do talent shows. So that we was doing talent shows before we were doing literacy workshops. And then now we teach uh, social emotional learning. Um, that component came during COVID. I mean, we were already doing it, but that main component and actually using it as a component and saying, hey, this is the main things we're focusing on. Social awareness, how to cope with your emotions. And then on the literacy side, too, that came in. I mean, and then at the same time, I think it's, you know, more important for teachers to go through our classes, too, um, to actually have a moment. I mean, that class we was at in PCO, we was 100 people in there, and it was beneficial. I mean, I felt like people got something out of it. I mean, I've teachers are coming up like, this is the best PD class we had, just, you know, when we was here. And I was more engaged. And some of them came in there and was like, what is this? You know, I don't, I don't want to do this. And uh you know, energy is everything. So um, our main goal, though, is to work and have contracts through all the districts and be in every school system in the metro area and then eventually the state. Uh, we're working on getting into Nashville public schools now and, uh, and in Shelby County and Memphis. So a lot of our college tours that we do, we reach out to their school districts out there, too, because some of the students graduate and they reach out to us. So it's been a lot. You know, at the same time, it's a good busy. Um, I've been figuring out how to balance that and then family because I was just doing this as fun. I was being <clears throat> cliche like Netflix and chill. I never thought poetry and chill would be the change in our educational system, the change in our community, um, just changing the culture and changing my life. You know, I was working for the state when I started this um, and now I do this full time. And I love every minute of it. It does get overwhelming, but I love every minute of it. This year, for sure, is like a building year. Um, learning, uh, working with new, you know, sites like PCO. You know, the freshmen, freshmen love it out there. Um, they're like, when are you coming back? They want us to be there every other day. You know, it's like we're working on it. You know, so I'm definitely sitting down. You know, with Miss Taylor, uh, 
next month and was like, let's figure this out. You know, um, I feel like teachers as a whole, I mean, some teachers are like, are y'all hiring? You know, some teachers are asking us that. So we're trying to meet the districts in the middle. We're trying to say, hey, you know, let's figure out contracts with us and then we'll keep your teachers there. Like say it's a great teacher at that school and they want to stay at that school, but they want to work with poetry and chill. Let's figure that out. So it's it's been some, you know, negotiations uh, and all that. But I mean, the talent shows, what we did at Midwest City Middle School is that we had the whole middle school there. And it was over a thousand kids. We took them to the high school. We do talent shows. We give the, the students the opportunity to showcase their talent. And then the one thing I forgot to say is that, you know, with English language arts, we are basically bringing back the arts of that and making school fun again. I study Massachusetts, you know, they're the number one educational system in the country for public education. And I study them, I study the top 10. I'm like, what are they doing that we're not doing? Cause we're like number 49, not like we are 49. And it's taking out the arts, you know, the creativity in school, you know, schools is great right now. We need color in school. We need some enthusiasm. We need some energy. And I don't blame the teachers, you know, I don't, but I do understand now that it takes a it takes a village. So having these conversations like we had at the PD class, um, figuring out because if you give a teacher, you know they're there because or y'all are there because you want to be there. You know you don't have to be there. You know y'all can do anything else you want to do. So my goal to use you know our influence and that you know type of you know influence we have over the students, the type of influence we have over the principals, the type of influence we have over the administration is to shift the whole culture. And, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, we won't probably see the full changes probably for three to five years from now, but we'll look back and say, okay, you know, we're in a better place than we were in 2023, you know, in 2028, you know, so that's really my goal. I And like I said in the beginning, it wasn't that type of goal. It was just, I want a platform to perform and do shows, you know? So, but now it's, um, I mean, we work at the youth homeless centers. We work at the juvenile prisons. We're going to start getting more of those. We're going to go to the men's prisons as well. So it's it's really turning into a national. And I feel like, you know, I know, you know, working with Tracy is going to be international, you know, soon. We're going to London next year, uh, working in their school systems. So, yeah, it's just trying to catch up and like, okay, let me balance all this out. But I'm big on getting home settled first. You know, I have to have my home in place. And this is my home, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Uh, I grew up in Lyrewood. Uh, I graduated from OKCPS schools. OKCPS schools is my home as well. Um, I got inducted into the OKCPS schools Wall of Fame uh, this past year. So that really motivated me to say, okay, we got more work to do. So that's my 10-minute <laughs> rant right there. <laughs> I love that. Um, congratulations on your induction to the OKCPS Hall of Fame. Thank you, you. Definitely deserve it. I think that you're doing incredible work. It's so inspiring. And I think that you are absolutely right. It is so important that we are being mindful of our energy, being mindful of the energy of teachers, the community, the village that it takes to to pour into children, to pour into these students, right? And I I think that what was so interesting of that was that you never saw yourself in education. You just wanted to sit down with these kids and like ask them about themselves. 
and how yeah. because you cared so hard for them, now you're immersed in education so deeply that you're building a curriculum that is going to be international. Yes, it it, it it definitely happened like that. I looked up one day and was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what did I? And I, I just, just told wanted myself, to perform. <laughs> yeah, and I told myself, if I work with these kids, I have to be fully committed. Right. Um, my first class, and you probably know them, Myron. Yeah. Zanari, yes. They're seniors. They're in my youngest class. So they're my eighth graders then, and they're graduating. So, you know, I'm glad I get to go back to Douglas because I'm actually going to work with the seniors, too. Um it makes me emotional a little bit because I'm seeing them now. I'm like, oh my, they was all shorter than me. And now they're just 18, 19 years old. It really motivates me to see how they move and how the relationships are still built from them. You know, I don't tell my students like, oh, if you don't participate in my workshop, you know, it's still love. It's yeah. still, you know, open, safe zone. They know they can call me. They know they can text me. They still, they performed with me at the Wall of Fame um, ceremony. So it was a, it was an honor um, working with them. And it's like being, you know, invested into the community in OKC schools. And I was really trying to get back in Putman City. So to get back at PCO, it just it was going to open doors for West and North. And, you know, just having teachers vouch, having principals vouch for us. Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I've never been more motivated than now. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you are still wanting to be so generous with your energy because I think it's easy to get to a point where you've given so much that you're like, I'm tired, I can't continue forward. I've been there. I've, I've, I've been there. You know, I have my own family, so I have to think about stuff like that. I have to think about, you know, when I come home, I'm drained. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the doubt. Sometimes, I mean, it's been one day I've seen like six, seven hundred students. Yep. And then I go do a show. And then, I, you know, I come home and I'm just like a zombie. I'm like, oh, you know, so I take times like today and tomorrow to, you know, just spend time with family, you know, and realize how important family. Family's always been important to me, but sometimes you get so invested in your dreams that you forget. And it's those, those moments, those watching a movie together going to eat together, just little things like that. You know, I had to definitely humanize myself too because everyone looks and they, and, and it's not a bad thing because I, I, I love what people, you know, take, they take, they take. It's energy, it's energy, it's energy. Mm -hmm. And I love to give it, you know, but then I have to be mindful of like, I can't give you all and then I don't have none for my family. Right. You know, so I've had, and you know, I've learned that, you know, in the past, ooh, really in the past since August, you know, August, my life changed. And then um, September, the end of September, it changed because I found out I was having a son or a baby at that time. And now I'm having a son. I know I'm having a son. So Congratulations. my first child. So thank you. So I was just like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, being there for my lady, being there for him, he's doing May at the end of school. So. It's changed me for sure. And for the better, you know, like I have to say, hey, you, you know, you have a family too. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so used to this. Me, 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 me. Right. You know, um, and I've waited so long. You know, I'm 33 years old. So I waited to this time in my life to know how to balance. So now my, my, you know, I always got to teach kids and send them back home. You know, now I have <laughs> one I have to, you know, with me. So 
it's, it's learning that balance and, you know, just figuring it out. I don't want, one thing I told myself, I told myself just like a week ago, I said, I don't want people to know me more than my own kids. So I don't want people like, oh my gosh, your dad does this and your dad does this. And my son's like, well, I, you know, I barely see him. Right. <laughs> I know what you know, you know, from <laughs> social media. So I, I've been very mindful of that lately and this, you know, taking time and learning about that. So it's it's definitely something that I'm in the process of being a student of, you know, being a family man, uh, eventually being a husband and uh, being a father for sure. So That's beautiful. And I think that it will also be a part of meshing into the work that you already do is the students get to bear witness to you as a father and a partner, a husband. And right. the students learn balancing their lives from the adults around them. Exactly. I think of like our generation, I'm 34, our generation, our parents just worked to the point of, of doing what capitalism told them to do. So like my parents weren't available. I feel like that's all of our parents were never available, right? So uh, some people have like a different story, but that's not me. Um, but right. we get to be that generation that demonstrates a different kind of love a different kind of presence exactly yes so i've been I've been big on that so i definitely agree our generation i mean we i'm more a risk taker i'm like i've seen my parents work a nine to five and they're still working you know mm -hmm. so i was like you know i don't want to do that and then i want to be able to personally be happy you know, with my kids and say, this is what I love to do. I wake up every day and do what I love to do. And I do love what I do. I just know that some kids ask me, you don't have any kids? They used to ask me that. I haven't like told my students yet, but they're like, you don't have any kids, you know? And this is when I was in a relationship. Are you, are you single, this and that? And they just kind of be like, well, I guess Mr. G's is all about us, you know? And to see that side of me, which you're going to see next school year, I know it's going to be different to see me in that element and be able to say, oh, okay, you know, and I'll be able to give fatherly advice, you know, hey, so, you know, this is me being a father. Yeah. This is me being a husband. You know, this is what I, you know, recommend and stuff like that because they do, they do look for me for advice. So, you know, and holding myself accountable, you know, I've had mm -hmm. to self-check myself, you know, all the lessons that I've given, even at the PD classes, I've had to ask myself those same questions. Um I'm far from perfect. I've made mistakes. Uh, I, I know one thing I can say that poetry and chill was something that I feel like I needed um, as it's a like student. It's like your own healing path. So that you yes, it's like I was tapping into my individuality. Like I was trying to heal myself, and then it just trickled off. Like, well, I was doing it, and it, and I tell people that it was it was a selfish movement for myself, and it became a selfless movement. You know, I grew up in a place. In or an environment that I feel like it wasn't high expectations, you know, and it was like bare minimum. And I've had to will my way out of things. And I always tell my students, you can will your way out of things by the way you think and the way you move. And uh, people think I always was like this. And I was always confident. But when I got in my early 20s, I lost confidence. And I didn't gain it back until I got like 25, going 24, going on 25. And then that's when I started you know, chasing. I didn't create Poetry and Chill until I was 28, going on 29 years old. So, you know, that was kind of the thing. I was like, well, whatever works, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to run with it. So, 
I'm excited though. It's 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 been a definitely definitely a journey, and I'm just excited for this uphill journey for sure. That's awesome. I think that as a dance teacher, um, my focus is to always empower the creative expression of my students. And I think a lot of educators hear that and they're like, yeah, so, or duh, that's what education is. But I think that it's a lot harder than what it sounds. I think that it takes a lot of work. So as a person uh, yourself that is doing this work to encourage people to be expressive and be creative, what tools or advice would you say work for you or that you would like more people to utilize when empowering others? I would say, you know, who you see when you close your eyes or who you, you know, envision, that's who you really are. And it's just the only thing that's separating that is the steps to get there. It's happening to your individuality. It, I, I have to say it, but, you know, sometimes the people around you might be parents. It might be uncles, grandmas. When they're not aligned with who you really want to be, especially if it's something positive, something that you want to be, if you want to be a dancer, you want to be an artist. Because some people say, that doesn't make any money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's not about the money. It's about the fulfillment, fulfilling your soul. So I just tell students, I tell, even told myself, I tell myself this every day, do what you feel. You know, I feel like the true freedom and true peace is tapping into your individuality, like who you truly are, you know? Um, and and it's a, it's a lifetime journey because I'm still finding out new things I love about myself. I never thought I'd be teaching teachers, you know, or having classes like, you know, and I, I love it. Like I do it so natural now, but I used to be very, very, I mean, my biggest fear was public speaking. Like I, I was like, I would never speak in front of people. And now I do it every day, you know? So I always tell my students to really, you know, look inside yourself, you know, and don't that don't mean be mad at your parents or resent your parents, but, you know, have the confidence to say, I really want to do this and then show them, you know, I, I always tell people like, they're not going to believe you until you show them. Cause like people told me not to do what I'm doing now. And now they're looking at me like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this dude done traveled the whole country. He done changed his whole life. So that's really the advice that I have for students. Cause I use that advice for myself. I mean, to this day, you know, I tell people that, you know, my lady, my, my cousins, whoever I'm speaking to, like you need to tap into your individuality and you know who you are. I mean, everyone knows who they are. I always tell students, who are you outside your name, your race, your gender, your sexuality, like who are you? And when you can answer that question, you know, it's time to take steps to get there for sure. We did a board breaking activity with the step team where on one side of the board, they list everything that they want to accomplish. And on the other Mm -hmm. side of the board, they list everything that's holding them back. And then they had to break the board, specifically the side of the things that's holding them back. And what astonished me was they were so afraid to do, they, they were afraid to share their aspirations with another one another. And then they were afraid to get up and break the board, like break through these things, holding them back. Like they were literally moved to tears. And when you asked about, or rather when you said, when you close your eyes and the person that you see is really who you are, I think people are afraid of who they really are. I think they're afraid to align to 
that vision that they see. Mm -hmm. I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly because I was, you know, um, I used to say, why do I see myself on stage? Why do I see myself with all these responsibilities with the culture and kids following? I used to not, I was like, no way. Like, I'm scared to get on stage. I'm scared to, no, I don't know what to do in education. So these kids are not going to listen to me. And I, when I started doing it, you know, because I feel like if you chase one dream, other things start to open. I tell students that all the time. I mean, I speak to teachers and they're like, yo, this is what I really want to do, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, we have to start doing it. You know, I'm just getting started. You know, I feel younger than I've ever felt, you know, at this age. And I always tell, you know, some of my students and people I know that's in their 20s, I'm like, 20s is when you mess up. 20s is when you 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 learn who you truly are. Your 30s is your prime. Like, and you don't really, you, you like growing up in Oklahoma, we feel like 20s or 30s is old. When I was in California, I mean, that was young, you know right. what I'm saying? To be in your 30s, it's like, this is my best time of my life. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I feel like, you know, and I tell students this too, you know, I wish I would have started at 18. You know, I wish I did. I didn't start till I was 25 years old. So when I see people that's actually inspired at 22, 23, 24. I'm like, hey, enjoy this. You know, learn from your mistakes. Don't feel like you need to get it all together right now because you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have it all together and it's going to be even more pressure, but you're going to be able to enjoy it. The only reason I'm able to enjoy this now because of all the steps I took to get here. You know, and I tell people overnight success is 10 years. It's not overnight. So if you really, if it's worth it, it's going to take some years to get there. And, and embrace that. So when I meet my college students or people that's in their 20s, I'm like, hey, relax, take some risk. And, you know, because I still take risks now, you know, but I'm more confident about my risk. I feel like what happens in people's 20s, and this is my opinion because I was in my 20s, is that we look at everybody else and we start judging our lives with, oh, this person has their stuff together. This person, I knew people that made more money than me, that would have bigger houses than me. And now we're in this place and they're unhappy and they're looking at me like, man, you know, and just because they had it materialistically together or financially together. But now I have a purpose, you know, and I'm living that purpose. And I tell you, that's that's the real goal. It's really not about money. It sounds good, you know, to make some money. When I started really making money, I didn't even care about it no more. <laughs> you know, I was like. I'm trying to, I love waking up and going to teach these kids. I love doing this. And that's when you realize that you are in, in alignment with your purpose. And when you get in your 30s, you feel younger. Some people give up in their 20s. So if you give up in your 20s, when you get to your 30s, you're going to be less confident because you're going to be like, I'm older now. I, I do things that I never would have done at 33. I've never done at 23. You know, I get in front of a, a class full of high school and start rapping. I mean, I would never have done that, you know, and my confidence is it, contagious. So when people, they're like, you know, when you're on stage, if you're shaking, if you're not confident, they're going to feel uncomfortable, you know. So I'm so confident in myself, you know, and I have times where I'm not confident, but no one sees that. When I step in front of people, they're going to see, you know, Gregory II, my persona, you know, um, at home, you know, I'm little Greg or I'm. You know, or I'm G or, you know, or whatever the name is, you know, I, I have my thoughts. But as who I am now, you know, I tell people like it, it takes a lot, but start now. That's why I love working with high school students. Like start now, 
So you can build that. Yeah, that's that's really, you know, what you say, you hit the hammer on the nail. But I love working with high school students because it's like, let's start now. You know, I'll play basketball. I play college basketball. I thought I was going to play basketball. <laughs> you know, And I love basketball. Now I love coaching. But it's it wasn't me. I it was some, I love I used to want to act. I used to want to be uh, on Broadway. I'm still going to do those things too. You know, that's why I moved to LA to get into acting. You know, I got braces. I did all these things. I was like, I'm going to get in front of the camera. And now, you know, getting into modeling. I mean, I'm doing all these things this year. I mean, that's my goal. So this wasn't. This is not my dream. It's my purpose, but it's not. I see myself. Traveling the world, show, showcasing my art, showcasing my music, acting on a big screen, you know, winning the Oscar, you know, an Emmy. You know, I see myself that in the next seven years. And that's my ultimate goal. And then, like, it's funny because I was going to go get that. And then I was going to come back and help the community with my influence. But it's like it went backwards. It's like, no, you're going to help first <laughs> and build this momentum. And now, you know, it helps me out. But I, I love, I mean, that's what I really want to do. I mean, if I could do music every day and perform every day and travel doing music, I mean, I would do that. But I realized that the kids needed me. So, you know, I was just speaking to my family about that. Like, that's my goal this year is to get more involved in that too and get in front of the screen, get in, in Broadway. You know, I, I've been to, which one was it? The Lion King one. I've been to see those Broadway. What was the other one? Uh, Wizard Oz. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, um, I've always seen myself doing stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I can't dance. That's one of my flaws. My lady can dance. She's a dance teacher. So, like, I've been asking her. Well, I, I, mean, I, I don't take it as serious. I'll be playing sometimes. I got to take it serious. So. But because, you know, when it's, when it's your spouse, you, you, you know, you play around and stuff. But I'm going to take it seriously because I do want her to teach me how to dance because that's my my new challenge to learn how to dance, you know? So I have my own goals. I tell students that all the time. They always they think that I woke up one day and said, I just want to teach kids all day and nope. talk about talk about their feelings and emotions. That was never the plan. No, not at all. <laughs> but it, it, it worked out it and did. I'm excited, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, that's, that's why, I mean, and what was the other thing you said y'all did on that board? Was that the only thing y'all yeah, did? Yeah, so we just, we wrote, you know, everything you, that you want and then everything that's holding you back. And they just, oh. the idea of being vulnerable scared the shit out of them. And the mm -hmm. idea of getting up and breaking the board. Like, they were like, I can't do this. Like, I, and I even demonstrated. Like, I did it too. I was like, I want to get my doctorate. I want to speak Tagalog fluently. I want to open a performing arts facility where everybody could come in and participate and learn creative expression to heal themselves. And I, like, the things holding me back is investors. I have imposter syndrome, time, and dedicated focused energy. And I went to go break my board, and it took me two, three tries because I was scared to, like, I was going to hurt myself. Right. But even my confidence, my demonstration of confidence, they were, like, they were so guarded. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. People is. are afraid of who they really want to be. Because we're talking like, you know, society tells us to be who we are and they say, no, 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 not like that. Yeah. You know, so they, they they tell us not to be, you know. Um, I mean, that's why I grew out my hair. I just kind of went, it was more of a spiritual growth. I was like, I'm gonna be 
against the norm. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know, I ain't gonna even say with schools, but like they have a perception of who Gregory is. And then I walk in there and I walk in there with a hoodie on, some Jordans and some jewelry. And they're like, this is a guy that done this. And it's, it's just funny because then when I start teaching and I show my work and my skills, they're like, oh, okay, okay. And then the whole barrier is broken down. And I said, that's the whole thing. Don't judge a book by its cover. Right. Of how, you know, because I relate to anybody. You know, I've been in all, I mean, no matter what background you are, no matter what race you are, no matter how old you are, what sexuality you are, I, I show love to everybody and they can feel that. And they feel open. It's been some teachers that I look at and I kind of have that like, man, they kind of got that energy. But then when I start talking, they'll just open up. And it's just everyone, you know what I learned? Everyone wants to just be heard. Yes. Everyone wants to be heard and respected and that's my goal this as a influencer a teacher a leader as a father as a future husband like i just want to the people around me i want them to feel like they're heard by me and it it starts at home you know i've been learning a lot more the past seven eight months of my life than i have <laughs> the past five years you know just more about myself so i'm definitely on that journey for sure absolutely i will say you also mentioned earlier that your confidence is contagious. And I agree with that statement, that idea that you come in and you share your gift, especially that professional development that I was in with Putnam City High School. I was sitting in the back with the bad kids. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and well, I was just sitting back there because I came in with a ton of people and I didn't want to share. I just wanted to write. I was like, I loved your prompts and I just wanted to write my prompts and I wanted to keep to myself because the bad kids were back there like, just making a joke of everything, right? But then as you continue to like open it up to everybody and allow people to be vulnerable and be heard, I was like, oh yeah, I'll speak too. Screw those, the bad kids. Screw the kids who are just making everything a joke. So I agree, like your confidence is contagious and you have a gift of letting people be heard even when they're surrounded by other people who make everything a joke. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, people hide pain behind jokes. For sure. So, You're absolutely right. So those be the ones that, and you know, I always, the class clowns always become mute in my class. Yes, so, that and, did and it, happen. Yeah, because they started being quiet after a while because a few of them would share. Mm -hmm. And then I would kind of like go over there and be like, so y'all have anything to say? I was calling them out and it was kind of like, you know, and it, it's funny because they are adults and they're teachers, but then they, they was acting like students at that moment. And they thought it was one of those moments. I'm like, no, this. And then when it got real, we start talking about the educational system. We start talking about what teachers need, the mental health, all that. Then all that stuff. And I always tell people that, like, people really, the people that jokes a lot, I'll be like, they're the ones that's really crying out for help. Yeah. And I don't call them out. I just be like, hey. And I realized that, you know, in that class, when it was 110 people, it was a group of four or five people sitting there. Yep. And those are the ones. And it was some people in there was like, didn't say a word, but they, I mean, they had two, three pages wrote, mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, whoa, you know, so um, even Miss Taylor, you know, Miss Tanel, you know, um, they were even open to it and it's, it's very contagious and I'm excited to see, you know, what's the future look like at PCO? Um, what, what can we do? I know it's been fights. I know it's been drama. I know it's been this um, to help be a solution. Mm -hmm in there is, is is definitely one of my goals for sure absolutely so my last i have two more questions my okay. 
second to last question is you very specifically asked this question and it's who are you outside of your name, race, sexuality? Am I missing anything? And gender, yeah. And gender. What led you to develop this question over time? Bob Proctor. Uh, I don't know if you know who Bob Proctor is. He's uh, I, recognize I recognize the name, but he's he he has a video on YouTube, and I do a lesson. It's called "Who Are You?" And he said, when you ask people that, they're going to tell you their name. They're going to tell you their race. They're going to tell you their status, or uh, or like you know whatever it is. And it's like, who are you? You know, and that question is very vital to people. Um, and when you are able to answer that question, you find out things differently about yourself. So I had to ask myself, like, who am I? And I was like, you know, I'm an artist. I'm a visionary. I'm a, a kind-hearted person. I'm a I'm a confident person. Uh, I'm a compassionate. I'm I'm emotional. You know, um, and those things had me thinking. You know, I didn't say, well, I'm Gregory. I'm I'm. You know, uh, I played high school basketball and college basketball, uh, you know, so or I own a business, you know, it's I think that question. No, I know that question. If you ask any adult right now, who are you? And if you don't tell them the, the like outside of your name, right, they're going to say I'm so and so, you know. But when you say that, they have to sit there and think, like, who actually am I? You know, and. That's a vital question I feel like we don't really ask ourselves. We're told who we are by society. And um, and I, that's that's why I asked that question. I saw a video. I was on social media one night, and I saw like a clip with Bob Proctor. It was like a minute clip. And then I watched the whole video. It was like a 30-minute interview. And I use that for my lessons now, like who are you lesson. That's awesome. I'm so glad I asked because I had no idea where you would take me. I was like, I have no idea but. What yeah, it'd be inspired by something. Something inspires me to. That's the one thing about our curriculum. I mean, some things just inspired me, and I'd be like, "Let me use." And I use rappers. I mean, like the people that we're learning about in schools, like Thomas Jefferson, Christopher Columbus. I mean, if you look at their true history, I mean, they have some very evil sides. Absolutely. And I've taken rappers, whoever people like, and took in their positive positive side. And made it into lessons as well, like you know, like our educational system has done. So I'm like, well, it's good and bad. It's yin and yang and everything, Absolutely. you know. So I, that's how I do my lessons. Bob Proctor is not one of those that has a. I don't like to say he doesn't have a bad side, but as far as his lessons are very positive. But some rappers, people look at these rappers mm -hmm. and they think all this negativity. But then there's some stuff out there that's positive too, and kids relate to that. Uh, so that's how I, that's how I've done our curriculum. That's awesome. I think that's excellent. Thank you. So last question. Okay. This podcast is primarily for teachers, um, most specifically dance teachers. So their second semester is a lot of like getting everything together for a series of performances. What advice would you give to teachers to get through this week? Take some time to yourself. Meditate, pray, whatever spirituality you believe in really take some time for yourself reflect on who you are it's okay to cry it's okay to take a break it's okay not to answer your phone it's okay to not reply back i mean we have jobs so we have to reply back but sometimes we don't have to answer every single call we don't have to go to every family gathering we don't 
we don't have to do all that. You know, I feel like we have to take care of ourselves as individuals. If not, how are we going to take care of our students? So self-care, uh, self-awareness uh, is very, very important. And I'm saying this because I'm telling myself this. Um, so that's a message I have for myself is really take care of yourself. The last thing I can really say is be yourself. You know, like if you are having a bad day, I, I mean, when I'm having bad days, I've went to my students like, I've been having a bad day. And they'll comfort me. they be like, you know, and then it'll be a different energy. Sometimes we, as adults, we get angry and then, you know, we start lashing out at our students and, you know, and being a short fuse. And if you are having a bad day, you know, tell the students that say, hey, you know, today I had a bad morning, family stuff. Can we just, today's going to be a little, you know, just be, be truthful. And um, be honest with your feelings. Don't try to keep them bottled up. Um, that's why I talked about mental health with students or with teachers. We need a woo-saw place. Yeah, so just really self-care, self-awareness, and be honest with what you're truly feeling. Absolutely. That's excellent advice. Thank you. I'm so thankful that Gregory agreed to come onto the podcast and talk about his work that led to the magic that is poetry and chill. I didn't realize that I was witnessing the early days of poetry and chill way back when, when I was at Douglas. And I just really commend them for truly being of service and centering love because that is just magic in its own. It just opens so many doors to all participants of whatever the work is when it centers love and being of service. I have quite a few notes here that I took while I was editing this episode. And I think that it's very interesting. I always hear people say ELA. And I know that ELA stands for English Language Arts, but I love that he specifically said A means arts. And when we take creativity out of school, it's dull. So when we pump creativity back into school, it alivens our community and we see so much growth. So yes, ELA is wonderful and does great things. And I'm a dance teacher on purpose because the A in ELA is very important to me. So thank you for saying that, Gregory, that the A in ELA needs to be a little louder. I, like I said before the episode started, knew of Poetry and Chill from its early days, but specifically when it came to requesting a podcast recording, it had to do with a professional development that happened in January. And I just was so inspired and invigorated by that one professional development. And I'm grateful for that time where Gregory came in and, and asked us, he gave us the poetry and chill experience, which was coming in and engaging us in conversation and writing about our feelings and thoughts 
around important issues to us. And I thought that was very meaningful and an excellent way to start the spring semester because January is just like sad and cold. And we're like, why are we working so much? So I really appreciated that. The talent shows were centering creative expression. And that is what built this foundation for them to expand into literacy. And I am so thankful that he said social emotional learning, because I think that that is a popular buzzword in education because of COVID. I know social emotional learning existed before COVID, but I think that that is that social hygiene. I think I said that in the last episode, social hygiene is what we need so badly for our students, for our faculty, society as a whole. We really need social emotional learning skills to be doubled down because of our experience through COVID. I appreciate that Gregory said poetry and chill was just for fun, but it's the change in education that we need. And really, I think that that has been my North Star in all of this is that creative expression is what authentic learning in organized learning institutions like schools are missing. And I agree completely like poetry and chill, the reason why they're just booming in popularity is because they're meeting this need for radical social change in education. And without that creative expression drive, we're going to continue to see the same results over and over again and wonder why students just are not developing the way we want them to. Well, maybe it's because we are squashing every creative avenue that exists for them. So we want more creativity to give them more opportunities of development. I wrote this note when I was editing because I think that it speaks so much, so much empowerment. And that is who you truly are is tapping into your individuality. And that is true freedom. And when we're talking about education as liberation, if our education system is just forcing the individual to be compliant and fall in line, we are not liberating the individual. We are, we're really just confining them into these cookie cutter expectations of what it means to graduate and then go into the workforce but to truly liberate our students, we need to empower them to be who they truly are. One of my favorite reasons dance is such a powerful tool in seeing students demonstrate learning is the same reason why I love that Gregory said, people aren't just going to believe you based on what you say, they're going to believe you when you show them. And that's that's performance, right? Like we believe people when they show us what they're capable of. And I agree wholeheartedly, no one will believe you until you show them what you're saying. Demonstrate with your actions. 
I had to circle back and ask Gregory about this question. Who are you outside of your name, your race, your sexuality, your gender? I appreciate how, one, he can cite that he got that from Bob Proctor and that the purpose of that question is when you can answer that question to yourself, you have to take action steps to get there because you find things out about yourself differently. And what a powerful reflection. I actually have my notes from that professional development back in January, beginning of January. And my answer to that question was an educational pioneer and a healer. Because yes, I am a dance teacher, but what am I actually really trying to do? And my hope is that I am helping people empower themselves to heal themselves. And I hope that I'm not just falling in line and complying with all the rules and education, but really moving some kind of measurement. I don't know what the measurement is, but some kind of measurement forward in authentic education. What a nugget of wisdom this idea that overnight success is 10 years. The work that it takes to be successful actually takes time. And we never truly understand what success looks like until after we've been doing something for a significant amount of time. So I really appreciate Gregory saying overnight success is 10 years. And I think it's wonderful that he's saying that to students so that they fully understand. I don't just wake up tomorrow and I'm a 10 million followed on some social media platform influencer, but I am doing some kind of productive step forward every single day. And I might not see that success for at least 10 years. I know I had an excellent mentor teacher, Connie Ellis. She said, you don't see the fruits of your labor in your dance program. You don't build the dance program that you want until year five. And I can definitely attest to that. It takes at least five years to build a dance program that you can be satisfied with. So for sure, I agree with Gregory. Overnight success is 10 years. I often talked in grad school and maybe even my early years of teaching that we need to redefine success because there seems to be this linear thought, which I think is being eliminated There's this linear thought that if I go to school and get good grades, I can go to a good college to get a good job and make good money. And then that will be success. And life is definitely not that linear. And those are all lies. Let's be honest. I love that Gregory said, regardless of financial or materialistic things, I have a purpose. And that joy he has working with students despite money shows that he is aligned with his purpose. And what a beautiful reminder that, yes, we definitely need to pay people for their energy, their work, and the things that they're doing. And also, there is joy when we are aligned to our purpose. And I just really appreciate that reminder. So thank you, Gregory. Another note that I wrote down was Gregory said, society tells us to be who we are, but then they're like, no, not like that. 
And I really think that that is something as educators, we can reflect on how are we perpetuating this idea of like, be who you are, but you have to be who you are within compliance of my classroom. Is your classroom empowering the individual to step into their whole selves so that they can be liberated through your classroom? Or are you telling them to not be themselves? It's an excellent point to reflect on. I think that we hear this often for our advice to teachers to get through this week, and that is self-care. But I think that there's a reason why we keep hearing this. I love that Gregory said, you know, take time to yourself and crying is good because I agree. Crying is release. We're releasing hormones where it's energy being disseminated from our body. So crying is excellent. And also, I think that Gregory reminding us to practice self-care is a reminder if you haven't found the right self-care for you, keep trying new things. There's not one way that is the correct way to practice self-care. Keep looking for the right thing for you. And if the right thing for you becomes dull and no longer the right thing for you, try something else. Try something new. And maybe also novelty. Something new is what you're looking for. I would like to also put a little side note in here. I just completed my level three healing touch class. So I have a link on my Instagram bio that you can actually schedule a healing touch session with me. It is by donation. So you're a person who can't afford it at all. I've done it for free. If you're a person who can only donate $5, I am happy to take your $5. I've had other people pay me more. And if that's where you are, you're welcome to do that. But that was just my shameless plug that if you're looking for something new for self-care, I invite you to consider Healing Touch. Maybe it's the thing that you're looking for. Basically, you lay down, take a nap, I move my hands around strategically, and you wake up and you feel a little better. So please, take me up on Healing Touch. I'm pretty sure you won't regret it. And then last, I am so excited for Gregory and the arrival of his new son. I hope Gregory and his lady are going to have a joyful time. So let us all as a community, one, book Poetry and Chill to work in your classrooms. That is the financial way we can use our educational resources to show up for Gregory and his growing family. And I'm hoping that maybe I will get a link from Gregory that I can put in the show notes that maybe if you're a person who wants to buy from their registry, you can send them along some baby supplies. I think in the last episode with Stormy and Adelita, Stormy said, there are episodes that have nothing to do with dance, but they're so relatable to our dance classroom. And I think that this is an episode that one, gives us more resources to use in our classroom. We can utilize the Poetry and Chill resource to help build the creative expression in our classroom. And two, I really think that this episode validates our work. We are doing such important work 
to allow a space where students can come in and express themselves and find a sense of wholeness through the arts. So know that there are people out there who actually do see value in the arts and they are working diligently to bring art experiences to students. So let's all work together to support one another in this very challenging fight to ensure that all people have access to creative expression. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I love to hear feedback from listeners. I think there's actually on Spotify, I just saw there's this Q&A section, maybe on Spotify you can see it. There's a section that asks you what was helpful about this episode and I would love to hear from you what was helpful about this episode in that Q&A on Spotify. I would really appreciate any reviews that you can leave. I know it takes just a little bit of time, but it means the world to me for you to leave a review on the podcast. And then, of course, if you know anybody that wants to be on the podcast and wants to talk about something that's very near and dear to their heart, something that they're passionate about in education, please make sure that they reach out to me at mkgteaches at gmail.com. And of course, you can always connect with me on Instagram at mkgmoves. I hope you were able to enjoy this episode. Until next time, take care.